0: Let's pray. Once again, Father, we come to you and we hear your word. Today is a very hard word, a word that says that we should forgive other people in the same way that you forgive, that we, we ask that you forgive us our sins in the same way that we forgive others. Lord, be with us as we study your word today. And may we understand the need and the necessity for forgiveness. In Jesus' precious name, amen. A number of years ago, I was invited to appear before our high school youth group for an event that they called Stump the Pastor. And the kids were encouraged to be both creative and even obscure several of the kids really uh, excelled in the latter category of the obscure. I remember some of the questions. For example, one of them to stump the pastor said, who or what is Ziv, Z-I-V? Well, everybody knows that. It's the second month in the Jewish calendar. The other question I remember was, who is listed as the seventh to the last ancestor of Joseph and again it was like the Azor. There's one more question I remember from Stump the Pastor that night it deals with today's petition you know forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors the question was this why does Jesus say that we should pray to be forgiven in the same way that we forgive others why would he tie himself to what we do on earth now when I heard that question I thought that's a really good question after all this petition forgive us in the same way that we forgive others is pretty puzzling and to be quite honest if you actually think about it it's one that would probably bother every sincere Christian thinker it makes you wonder what was Jesus thinking? What did Jesus mean? I mean, is he teaching that God's forgiveness is somehow conditional? That our forgiveness with God is somehow predicated on our forgiving other people? Now, it would appear at first reading in in the scriptures that it is indeed what he is teaching. Now, if so, is this not teaching us that Forgiveness is a work by which we gain God's favor. Now, when that hap- when that happens, then what do we do with the other Bible doctrine that says we get saved by the grace of God? I mean, when it comes to forgiveness, who takes the first step? Is it man or is it God? Now, because this is kind of a difficult question to answer, I'm going to start with my answer today at the very beginning. This verse and forgive us our debts as we also forgive the debts of others, means exactly what it says. Unless you forgive, God will not forgive you. That's the answer to the question what does this mean? Unless you forgive, God will not forgive you. Now I repeat it. This verse means exactly what it says. Now, St. Augustine, when he got to this text, said it is a terrible petition. He went on to point out that when you pray these words while you're still harboring an unforgiving spirit, you're actually asking God not to forgive you. Now, stop and think about that for a moment. In that case, you're really praying a prayer like this. Oh, God, since I have not forgiven my brother and my sister and my cousin please do not forgive me. That's why Charles Spurgeon said that if you pray the Lord's Prayer with an unforgiving heart, you have virtually signed your own death warrant. That's pretty creepy too. See, when we pray, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, we are asking God to forgive our sins according to the same standards that we have used in forgiving the sins of other people. Now, this little text today has only 11 words in it. But I'm going to suggest to you that one of them is far more important than the rest, and it's that little word, as. As. Everything hangs on the meaning of that little word, A-S. When Jesus says, as... He is setting up a comparison between the way that we go about forgiving other people and the way that God forgives us. The text says that we kind of set the standard and then God follows the the standard. Or we kind of set the pattern and then God follows that pattern in the way that he deals with us. Now, when you pray this prayer, however you want to say it, forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our sins or forgive us our debts, whatever, You're saying, very literally, Lord, deal with me as I deal with others. As if if you're praying, oh God, that guy hurt me, that woman hurt me, my husband hurt me, my wife hurt me, I'm so angry I can't wait to get even, deal with me as I'm about to deal with them. We set the standard and God follows our lead. You ever refuse to forgive somebody? I'll never forgive them. Man, I'm, I, I, I'm really grieved to say that I've heard that from church people. I'll never forgive them. To refuse to forgive other people and then to turn right around and ask God for forgiveness, you know what that's called? That's spiritual schizophrenia. You're asking God to do something for you that you are absolutely unwilling to do or give to somebody else. This petition says, friends, I'll be real honest with you, it says you can't have it both ways. You don't need to raise your hand or nod your head, but do you want your sins forgiven? If so, you must, must forgive others. Now, does this mean that the Bible really teaches us that God's forgiveness of us is somehow linked to the forgiveness of others? Answer, you betcha. The fifth petition is in verse 12 of Matthew. If you had your Bibles open and you drop down two further verses, the Lord's Prayer is all over, but Jesus is still talking. And in verses 14 and 15, he says this. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, you know what's something really interesting here? There's only one petition in all of the Lord's Prayer that the Lord feels compelled to talk about a little bit more. And guess which one it is? It's this one about forgive us our sins. I think he offered further commentary because he knew we would feel uncomfortable with it and try to wiggle or weasel out of it somehow. I think that's why verses 14 and 15 he spells out very clearly so no one doubts or misunderstands this petition. Now, in case any of you doubt what I'm saying, I want you to consider a story that Jesus tells a little bit later in Matthew. It's in Matthew 18. It says, Peter came to Jesus one day and said, Lord, how many times do I need to forgive my brother? Now, obviously, Andrew had borrowed his fishing gear and put it away wet or whatever. But, you know, how often do I need to forgive my brother? Do I need to do it seven times? Now, understand, Jews only required three times to forgive people. Peter was doubling it and adding one. Seven times, would that be enough to forgive him? And then Jesus says, Well, a little short there, Pete. Uh, How about seven times 70? Now, that's 490 times, and the clunk you just heard was Peter falling on the ground. He can't believe his ears. And then Jesus goes on, and he tells this really, I don't know, to me, rather bizarre parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven, we talked about the kingdom a number of weeks ago, but he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlements, he brought a man in who owed him 10,000 talents. And since this man was not able to pay back the 10,000 talents, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. That was the law of the land. The servant immediately falls on his knees and weeps and cries and says, be patient with me, I'll pay you back everything. And the master, it says, took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Now, he forgave a huge debt, 10,000 talents. I looked this up the other day, and based on today's money, that's $8.4 billion. Not quite enough to forestall the debt ceiling or anything, but $8.4 billion debt in today's money. That's pretty gracious to forgive a debt like that. But that's not the end of the story because this guy who must have gone, walks out and it says he spotted a fellow servant who owed him a 100 denarii. In today's money, that's $200,000. 8.4 billion, $200,000. Got the idea. He grabbed him and began to choke him And he says, pay me back what you owe me. And his fellow servant fell to his knees. He went to the same thing, begged him and said, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Uh, But he said he refused. Instead, he went off. He had that man thrown into prison until he could repay the debt. Now, when all the other servants saw what was going on, they were greatly distressed. I don't know what the modern day terminology for that would be. (laughs) Really bummed out or ticked off. And they went back in and told the master everything that happened. And when that happened, the master brought that first clown in and said, you wicked servant, I canceled that $8.4 billion debt of yours because you begged me, shouldn't you have also had mercy on this guy who only owed you 200,000 bucks? Now, the last phrase of this little parable is really the point of the entire story. Shouldn't you have had mercy on him just like I had mercy on you? The answer to that question, of course, is yes. Now I gotta tell you the shocking thing in this story is not <laughs> that this guy wanted his two hundred thousand back. The shocking thing was that he was so unforgiving when he had received such great monumental mercy himself. What the king is saying, look, I forgave your $8.4 million debt. Couldn't you forgive this measly little 200 grand? And this time, the king is not falling prey to any sob story. Here's the conclusion of this story. In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers until he should pay them back all that he owed. There's the moral of the story. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brothers from your heart. And when we hear that, we ought to go, that'll give us the willies, huh? Now I want you to understand, these words are not for people outside the church this way. These are words for people who call themselves Christians. This is a warning to general believers like you and me Concerning what will happen to us if we refuse to forgive other people. Now, to understand the full impact of this story, I want you to answer this question. Whose forgiveness came first? The answer is the king's forgiveness came first. It's in light of his great forgiveness that this servant's unforgiving spirit is such a terrible thing. Now, the king in this story, of course, is God. You and I are that unforgiving $8.4 billion servant. We're called in before the Almighty God, and when the story of our lives is there, we have got a mountain of debt between us and God. It is so high that we cannot get over it. It is so wide that we cannot get around it. It is so deep that we can't crawl under it. So what do we do? We fall on our knees and we cry out, oh God, have mercy on me for the sake of Jesus. And in our Bible class this morning, what did we hear about the God of second chances? God looks down at us and he says, you don't deserve it, but for the sake of Jesus, I will forgive this mountain of debt. And in one great moment of of grace, when the mountain of debt is swept away, what do we do? We all stand up and we sing, Lord, I lift your name on high. Lord, I love to sing your praises. We're still singing that song as we're going out to the car. And then we spot that one scumbag, that one bum who sucked the joy out of us, who's done us dirty And we are tempted to go over there and grab them by the throat and shake them and say, Pay me back what you owe me. Or what we do is the more Lutheran thing. We just gossip about them. You know something? It's no wonder so many people in church are so doggone unhappy. It's no wonder that there are so many people who are so frustrated. It's no wonder that some people, oh, I can never sleep at night. It's no wonder that some people have ulcers and back pains and headaches and all kinds of illnesses. It's no wonder we all walk around carrying grudges. It's no wonder that some people are so depressed and so confused. You know why it's it's no wonder? It's because it's exactly what Jesus said in this parable. This is a verse I haven't read you yet. Jesus said, when my children refuse to forgive others, I hand them over to the torturers who will torture them day and night until they learn to forgive from the heart. Again, you ought to kinda of go, Ooh. What torturers? I never read that in the Bible before. What do you mean torturers? You wanna to know what the torturers are? I think the hidden tortures of anger and bitterness that eat your insides out, gut 1st The air, the torturers of frustration and malice that give you ulcers and high blood pressure and they give you migraines and they keep you awake at night stewing over every rotten thing that happens to you. The hidden tortures of a, uh, of a totally unforgiving heart that stalks you day in and day out, who never leave your side, who suck every ounce of joy out of your life. Why? It's because you have chosen not to forgive somebody else from the heart. Now, there are two objections to this and some of you are sitting out here. I'm going to answer your objections. There are The first of them relates to the first half of this petition. The second relates to the second half. There are some people who say Christians should never have to confess their sins. The point is that They say justification means all of your sins have already been forgiven, past, present, and future. Now to that I say, that's true. There's no doubt that the Bible teaches that, but I do not believe it is correct to infer that from the fact of justification that you should never, ever have to ask for forgiveness. I mean, those people who hold this view suggest that confessing your sins tends to make you, introspective and sad and very negative. Poor babies. I've got only one answer for that. One of them would be build a bridge and get over it already. But here's a better answer. Jesus told you, forgive us our debts. That overrules any nonsensical theological argument that you could toss up. If Jesus said we have to do it, we have to do it. Whatever you think about Matthew 6, 12, forgive us our sins in the same manner in which we forgive other people. You also need to remember 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, here's another, here's another objection. Is Jesus teaching us that God's forgiveness is conditional? Well, in one sense and in a very limited sense, the answer is yes. Now, I know of no other way to read this section of God's Word, but we need to very carefully qualify it. Now, remember, the Lord's Prayer was not given to unbelievers. It was not given to pagans. It was given to believers. It was given to those who have already been forgiven It was given to those who've already experienced the grace of God. So you gotta put Matthew 6 together with Matthew 18 to get the right interpretation. Uh, There's no contradiction between those two passages. In the parable of Matthew 18, the king's forgiveness always comes first. If you need proof, try Ephesians 4, 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God has forgiven you. Guess what? That's past tense. You want an English lesson? Past tense. Forgiveness always begins with God. Forgiveness never, ever begins with you. Bible class this morning, (laughs) if you think it starts with you, you're still dealing with the old covenant, right? If it starts with God, you're in the new covenant. You don't understand what I just said? Talk to the 20 or so people that were in adult Bible class this morning or come next week. You don't need to raise your hand. Anybody here holding a grudge against anybody right now? What happens when a believer holds a grudge? What happens when he or she refuses to forgive? What happens when a Christian harbors anger or ill feelings toward somebody who done them wrong. Is that person forgiven? Well, yes in the sense that they're justified before God. Yes, in the sense that when they die they'll go to heaven, but no they're not forgiven in the sense of having daily cleansing and sweet fellowship with Jesus. They may be in Christ but they are out of fellowship with the lord they're not walking in the spirit they're walking in the flesh they have given satan a foothold in their life they're walking in disobedience before the lord and they're opening themselves up for divine chastisement see to be unforgiven in that sense means that the channel of god's grace god's grace is always coming it's always coming always coming but we can block it from the human side. Merely by being unforgiving, holding grudges. It means you've chosen to hang on to your bitterness. And as a result of hanging on to your bitterness and your unforgiving spirit, you're forfeiting that daily walk with the Lord that could be so very pleasurable. Let me describe you. You'd rather be angry than joyful. You'd rather hang on to resentment of somebody rather than have inner peace. Your grudges are more important to you than your daily blessings from God. You would rather live with all of those torturers than to experience the freedom of forgiveness. I guess I can make this pretty straightforward if you are a christian a genuine believer in jesus christ unless you forgive you will not be forgiven why it's because god has already forgiven your sins 100 percent by the blood of jesus christ and to that i got to say how dare you i'd say it to myself i'd look in the mirror i'd say how dare you be unforgiving when you see what god has done for you and his son On the cross. See, the real condition of forgiveness is a repentant heart. Before you can ever be forgiven, there needs to be true repentance on your part before God. And what is the mark of a penitent heart if it is not a forgiving spirit towards other people? John Stott, he's one of my favorite theologians, Scottish guy, said, God forgives only the penitent, and one of the chief evidences of true penitence is a forgiving spirit now i'm going to tell you our problem with this petition if we got one is not theological our problem here with this petition about forgiving other people is personal and the reason is because none of us really see ourselves as very big sinners at least not as big as those people out there the ones who don't come to church The reverse is also true. The greater you see the depth of your own sin, the less you begin to notice the sins of other people. You know somebody who's always out there going, <laughs> pointing out the sins of everybody else? Oh, look, 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 oh, look, Why doesn't the pastor take care of that? Why don't the elders go visit? I don't think they understand forgiveness. If they did, if they understood the depth of their own, they probably wouldn't even notice some of that stuff. So you can't talk about your repentance unless you're willing to forgive. Unless you're willing to forgive, your repentance is just so much hot air. True repentance always starts with this change of mind that leads to a change of heart, that leads to a change in how we view other people who've sinned against us. See, Jesus is telling us that there is a very vital link between the way you treat others and the way that God's going to treat you. And guess what? We don't like that very much. In fact, some of you this morning, you don't like what I'm saying. I'm only telling you what God says, so don't shoot the messenger. We'd much rather have our relationship with God kind of encapsulated so that we could treat other people like we darn well feel like it. Jesus says, No deal. Can't have it that way. Unless you forgive, you will not be forgiven. That's a hard word, isn't it? But you know something else? It's also a hard word of grace. It's a hard word of grace. You know, a lot of us this morning, including myself, I'm not letting myself out of this. Don't think I'm just saying this to you folks. I might as well be looking at the mirror. In fact, I can see myself back there in reflection. We need to do a real searching moral inventory of our lives. Am I up to date on my forgiving? Am I holding a grudge against anyone? Do I harbor any bitterness or bitter feelings towards someone else? Have I forgiven people who have hurt me deeply? Now, I know the answer to this question that some of you want to trot out. John, you and I had this conversation. It wasn't you that was trotted this up. We had a little conversation like this last week. There are some people who say, but pastor, I can't forgive. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. Don't use the word can't. Can't is nothing but a cop-out. Suck it up and use the word (laughs) won't. When you say, I can't do it, you might as well say, no, I won't do it. You won't forgive. I'm just telling you, don't play games like that with God. If you are a genuine believer in Jesus, if your sins have been washed away, you can forgive other people. What God has done for you, you can do for other people. Now, there may be some people who won't forgive, and if if that is you, as long as you won't forgive, you're better off if you never pray the Lord's Prayer, because unless you forgive... You're cutting off forgiveness. Now, in all of this, we have a wonderful example. It's the example of Jesus, isn't it? Jesus, who when he was crucified, let's remember he was crucified, the innocent for the guilty on that cross. When he was crucified, it was the just for the unjust. It was the righteous son of God for the, unrighteous Jesus who was murdered at the hands of wicked men as he hung on that cross what did he say father forgive them for they know not what they do let me wrap this up with just three simple little applications number one you're never going to be closer to the grace of Jesus than when you confess your sins to him I don't know if any of you this morning are laboring under a burden of guilt because of some stupid stuff you've done or said in your life. I mean, a sense of your own sin, by the way, is a sign of God's grace already at work in your heart. When you cry out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, the Father's never, ever going to turn you away. He's not going to say, what, you're here again? No. God, forgive you. Second thing I tell you is you are never more like Jesus than when you forgive people who sin against you. You wanna be like Jesus? I mean, that's what we claim to be. We wanna be called Christians, right? Christians, like Christ. He came to create a whole race of forgiving men and women. All you need to do is learn how to be a forgiver. You'll never, there's a third thing, you'll never fully enter into your freedom in Christ until you learn the freedom of forgiveness. See, these freedoms kinda go together. And as long as you hold on to resentments you're still chained to your past. Even though there's freedom in Christ, the unforgiving Christian tends not to know anything about that. They're still in bondage, the bondage of the remembered hurts from the past. And until those chains are broken by a decisive act of forgiveness, that person will remain a slave to the past. Now, like all hard words in the Bible... it's a word that not only cuts, but the amazing thing about God's word is that it not only cuts, but it heals at the same time. It cuts through all of our flimsy excuses and it leads us to this fountain of grace that we sang about before in one of the songs where we can be completely healed and completely restored to a right relationship with the God who loves to forgive us. Our God freely forgave us, while the Bible says we were still sinners, while we were still his enemies. The question is, can we not do for others what he's done for us? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the cleansing word of God that cuts through all of our flimsy excuses. We praise you because that same word of God is also able to make us whole and right in your eyes. You know, God, may we not fight against your work in us. Help us to become great forgivers that we ourselves might be forgiven and cleansed and strengthened to walk closely with you, not just today, not just this week, not just this month, but for the rest of our life. We ask it in the name of Jesus who made our forgiveness possible. Amen.